electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends, I'm just trying to make this money. My job is not just to entertain, but to teach, educate, put this one in context. Call me, 1-800-743-CBC, or tweet me at Jim Kramer. A column of doom heads to encircle and snuff out a city filled with children, schools, universities, hospitals, and people who want to live in a democratic society. A Fed chief heads to Capitol Hill to talk about lowering the boom on an economy that's become too hot to handle. Rampant inflation, oil soaring off the charts. This combination of doom and boom naturally produces gloom. And that's what drove today's action. Dow plummeting 598 points. S&P plunging 1.55%. NASDAQ tumbling 1.59%. I want to stress that Wall Street's acting out of gloom, not panic, just a legitimate sense that things have gotten very off track and aren't going to get back on track anytime soon. I say, hold on. Why don't we step back for a moment and see what happens rather than taking action on every headline about someone not selling phones or sneakers or credit cards to Russia. I get that attitude. It's only natural. As we're waiting for Fed Chief Jay Powell to explain patiently how the war in Europe won't slow down our economy enough to break inflation, the horrors in Ukraine make for a level of uncertainty that we haven't seen in ages, causing interest rates to plummet when normally they would be soaring. If anything, the skyrocketing price of oil, now north of $100, thanks to the Russian invasion, means we could be in a situation where higher gasoline actually creates its own demand destruction, having reached a level where people simply don't drive as much. This combination of negatives gives us a very confusing moment where inflation should be driving interest rates higher, but instead rates have plummeted because the events of Ukraine are so darn frightening that it's caused a fanatical flight to quality. The citizens of Kiev want to justifiably be uh, hiding in the subway. The denizens of Wall Street, they want to hide in government bonds. Everybody's hiding. Is there any way out of this situation other than lower stock prices? I think that is the question of the moment. The glib answer is just to say, absolutely not. No, they have to fall. The only way for stocks to bottom here is if they keep going lower and reach a point where there are no more sellers. The logic, we're in a bear market. 
And as long as you're in a bear market, investors will sell until they run out of firepower and only brain-dead bulls will stick around for the carnage. I certainly understand that kind of negativity. I've seen it a lot in my career. If you bought stocks today, you're buying ahead of a two-day session of FedSpeak that will also drive stocks lower. You're buying ahead of a 40-mile rushing column that's ready to to lay kiv to waste, right? Although, fortunately, the Russians seem to be running out of fuel. Put it all together, it does make for an incredibly ugly moment. No one is disputing that. But on really hideous days, yes, I do like to play devil's advocate and tell you what I think could go right, not wrong. I will let everyone else do that, and they do it very well. First, domestically, it's entirely possible that Jay Powell goes before Congress and says he doesn't like how inflation is going, and he has to start the process of raising rates in order to tamp down skyrocketing prices. But he is a measured fellow, and he may take a measured approach, telling us that he'll hike once and then wait and see if he needs to do more. Powell can save 50 basis points or 25. What matters is that once he says he's going to do it, that issue's done. You can stick a fork in it. It will take the uncertainty off the table. If Powell says the rate hikes will uh, be automatic and swift, then the market will absolutely get hammered. And that's what today's action was forecasting. They think he's going to revert to the way he was when he first started. I don't see him going there. Second, it's absolutely true that there is a column of destruction headed to Ukraine's capital. The Russians showed you both in Syria and Chechnya that they are, their army is willing to take out anything and anyone, any civilians. It doesn't even matter if the civilians are on their own side. Although those were much smaller operations against much weaker targets. It will be horrific when that column arrives and presumably encircles give, but the West seems to be out of financial bullets that can restrain the Russians, and our stock market is going to trade based on atrocities. That said, a lot of us assumed this war would be over in a couple of days. The Ukrainians have acquitted themselves much better than anyone expected. In the end, they're still outmanned and outgunned, but the idea of Russian invincibility, that's been shattered. At this point, we don't know what kind of weapons Ukrainians have, uh, more and more obviously coming from the West, Either the Russians will be repelled or Ukraine falls, and then Russia has to occupy a hostile nation. Those are not good outcomes for the Russian army. No matter what, the West will keep supplying arms. No matter what, Russian soldiers will keep dying. It's a terrible situation, but it doesn't have much bearing on the U.S. stock market unless Putin truly loses his mind and starts deploying tactical nuclear weapons out of frustration. That is the biggest fear right now among many people, and that this work does go nuclear. If Putin hits the red button, our stock market will collapse. That will be the least of your worries in a World War III scenario. If the battle remains just that without nuclear weapons, then we have to presume that oil can keep going up and that will have inevitable demand destruction. But of course, lead to a lot of number cutting. Uh, but it can create a recession all by itself, as we saw during the oil embargo of 73. Lousy way to get the Fed off our backs, but it'll work. Now, let me give you one other way out. Remember all that cash I always tell you to keep on the sidelines? Remember when we used to say that if stocks dropped a lot, they might be interesting and that a combination of buybacks, dividends, superior earnings can transcend the chaos? I'm not talking about buying the dip, by the way. A dip is not down 30 percent, which is 30. So many stocks are. I actually think that the money can come back from the sidelines. I think the sellers will stop with the risk with the risk, right, right risk reward. They will stop. The one that says, hey, once again, you make nothing in bonds, especially after this run, and you make something in stocks. Plus, the demand destruction from high oil prices reduces the supply chain woes for everything else, making the Fed's job easier. Remember, we're not talking about earnings. We're just making the Fed's job easier. Does that sound too rosy to you? You know, it's actually maybe the most likely outcome. At a certain time and place, it means there are buyers on the sidelines who will start putting their money to work, not because they're buying dips, but because there's no other way to get a return again. Of course, to get everything working, you need Putin to come to his senses, either because his generals or probably more important, the Chinese tell him to cool it. And you need oil to come down. The supply chain issues to diminish. 
grains to reverse and the automakers to get their semiconductors while mortgage rates drop so homes are more affordable. And that's happening right now. In that scenario, it's hard to see uh, how stocks don't go up. So uh, when can that happen? Any day. We just don't know which one. That's why it's right to have some cash and put it to work slowly in a disciplined fashion on the way down, as we are tempted to do with my travel trust, which I urge you to follow by joining the CNBC Investing Club. Many bullets today, not a lot of buys, still too early. Then you'll catch the proverbial bottom as opportunity at last triumphs over fear. Don't know when. We just don't know when. But the bottom line, we do know you're a fool if you think that things are only just now getting bad for the stock market and can only get much worse. It ain't a dip, people. It's been going down since November, thanks to this endless sell-off. But you know what? Maybe we're a lot closer to a bottom than a top. Bob in New York. Bob. Hey, Jim. Uh, first and foremost, our prayers for the people of Ukraine and their fight for freedom. Uh, Jim, I spoke to you about a year and a half ago, and I asked you if you considered Microsoft in the same category as Apple. Own it, don't trade it. At the time, you said it was, so I have a two-part question. Mm -hmm. Number one, do you still feel the same today in the current environment? And has Microsoft been punished more than it should have been in this current environment? Well, Microsoft's much higher price earnings multiple than Apple. I happen to think Microsoft, this is not the level. Look, my channel trust owns it. We've owned it forever. I've been, I've been true to my mantra. But that said, I mean, I think the stock 295, it, it could easily retreat to, uh, I don't know, to 280. And, and people wouldn't, maybe there they jump on it. But I happen to think that Microsoft's a very good stock and a very good company. that is happened to be just a little too expensive. Let's go to for the moment or else I'd sell it for the moment. Adam and Marilyn, Adam. Professor Kramer, I hope you're having a great day. Well, you know, when what's happening in Ukraine, very hard to have a great day. I really appreciate it. I like to be upbeat. Uh, and I don't want to just sit here and say I hate a certain group of people because that doesn't get us anywhere. But I find it a very sad time. Go ahead. I'm sorry. All right. Well, I'm looking at Palantir. And from their financials, it looks like they have a strategy of investing startups that will by Palantir's products. My question is, is this a sustainable growth model or a potential red flag? I, I really despise their conference call. I thought they were very glib. They did talk about churning some uh, civilian, uh, you're getting a lot of civilian business, uh, which is what they want. But, I mean, how can you buy the, I mean, if, look, if this stock were at uh, 1,200, in other words, you just multiply, you did a reverse whatever split, then what you would see is people would be buying Palo Alto Net. I think the attraction of Palantir is this ridiculous $12 handle, and I wish it weren't like that, because it is nowhere near as good as Palo Alto or CrowdStrike, for that matter, even Zscaler. Look, I think we may be a little closer to the bottom of this market. This is not a dip. People aren't, no one's urging people to buy a dip. This is a slaughter. Well, okay, there's a real slaughter going on, so let me qualify that. This is a very big decline. On Mad Money tonight, Domino's reported earnings missed this morning and a major change at the top of the pizza chain. So I'm going one-on-one with the company's top brass to break down the numbers. Then Salesforce releases fourth quarter, and that, that thing is just soaring. And oil and natural gas are in focus. And the crisis for Ukraine. And I think that maybe you should be thinking about owning the stock of Kotara. I know I am for my charitable trust. We've got the CEO. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag MadTweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com. 
or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast, indeed.com slash mad money terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need indeed. What do you make of these results from Domino's pizza? Here's a company that was one of the biggest winners during the first two years of the pandemic. Although its stock has been clobbered in 2022, it's down more than 23% year-to-date, although there's lots of stocks that fit that description. This morning, Domino's reported what looked like a disappointing quarter. Weaker than expected revenue, same-store sales earnings. They're struggling with a labor shortage and rising food costs, and it probably doesn't help that people no longer feel like they need to stay at home to avoid COVID. At the same time, Domino's announced a surprising leadership transition, with CEO Rich Allison stepping down in April, handing, in the reins over, handing the reins over to his chief operating officer. Initially, the stock got hammered on the news. At one point, it was down nearly 10%. But then the conference call got going, stock turned around, and it finished unchanged on a hideous day for the averages. So I, I'm a little confused. I'm not sure exactly what the buyers are excited about. Maybe it was management's commentary about how they started triumphing over the labor shortage last month. Maybe it's because the stock's already down so much. Either way, this one deserves a lot of close attention. So let's drill down with Rich Allison, the new outgoing CEO of Domino's Pizza, get a better read on the quarter. Mr. Allison, welcome back to Mad Money. Hey, Jim, thanks for having me on the show. OK, so, Rich, uh, let me think. You've got uh, you've opened 4000 new stores, which you came in. You expanded the brand to 90 global markets. You're increasing global retail sales by over five billion. Uh, and yet it, it's time to leave. Yeah, Jim, well, you know, the last 11 years for me at Domino's have been the most rewarding you know, of my professional life, you know, from leading our international business to the privilege I've had of the last four years of being our, our CEO have have just been uh, extraordinary. But, 
you know, I'm at the point in my life now, Jim, where my wife and I are, we're ready to go back home to North Carolina and spend more time with family and focus on some other aspects of our lives that are really important to us. And, and I'll tell you that I feel really good about doing that because the company is in such a fantastic place right now. You talked about some of the amazing growth that we've had. And I'll also tell you that we've got a fantastic leadership team in place that Russell Weiner and I have built. Uh, and that are ready to take the business forward. And with the announcement of our new CFO, Sandeep Reddy, today, I feel really comfortable stepping aside and letting Russell and the team take it forward. Well, can you give us a little color on Russell? Because I imagine we might be speaking about it uh, to him. I'd like to know as much as I can. Yeah, so Russell joined the business, you know, back in 2008, Jim. And, you know, really at the beginning of this process of, of putting the pizza turnaround together, which you're very familiar with. Uh, and since then, he's really been the architect of much of the innovation that you've seen across Domino's from product to advertising, the image of our stores, uh, you know, our, our, our DXP delivery vehicles, so many things that you've seen on TV and heard about us. Russell's really been at the center of and for the last four years as our COO, he and I've worked hand in hand and Gosh, I just couldn't be more comfortable, uh, you know, handing the reins over to such a great leader and, and frankly, such a great person. Uh, Russell will be tremendous. All right. I, I look forward to speaking with him. I am concerned, I have to tell you, about inflation. Uh, I just saw it throughout your conference call. There's just whether supply chain inflation, trying to find people to work, not having the right hours. So my, I come back and say, Rich, is it that you're just not paying people enough or is it just there aren't people? You know, Jim, uh, we've actually invested a lot, you know, over the last couple of years in, in increasing wages and benefits across both our supply chain centers and, and stores. So most definitely there has been uh, wage inflation in the marketplace. And, and we've really tried to invest to stay uh, up with that and ahead of it. But we also see, you know, just challenges, and you probably hear it from a lot of other companies with respect to the supply of labor out there right now. So we're working through that. It's more pronounced in some parts of the country relative to others. But I'm, I'm confident over the long haul that we and our franchisees uh, will overcome this challenge just as we have so many others in our history. Well, you are the great international figure, Domino's, and international news, obviously, uh, front and center. Uh, Russia, Ukraine, these are not strange countries to you. What, what's going on in your eyes over there? We know, Jim, uh, you know, our hearts go out to our team members uh, and their families in Ukraine. We do have more than 60 stores in Ukraine. And I'll tell you, the first thing I did when I woke up this morning was exchange emails with some of our team over there. And I was inspired to hear this morning that despite all the things that were going on in our team members' lives, they had, they had opened up several of our stores so that they could serve pizzas to people in need today. And I think that really speaks to the spirit of Domino's and what we're all about around the world. So uh, uh, this is a very negative time, Rich, and I don't want to be part of it, but I understand with a, a column of, of, uh, uh, of soldiers that could surround Kiev, uh, the possibility of many unknown things, even someone mentioned, you know, people talk about nuclear war. How do you stay upbeat in an era where things just seem to be going wrong everywhere? Well, you know, Jim, uh, I, I'm an optimist, you know, at heart, and, uh, and, and I try to look at, uh, you know, at the best in people and in everything, and it's one of the reasons I love being a part of the pizza business. You know, pizza is something that brings people together, you know, often despite our differences, and, you know, when you put a pizza in front of three or four or 10 or 100 people, 
you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard not to put a smile on your face and have a good time. So I, I know there is there's a lot going on in the world today that is difficult and tough to deal with. But, you know, I think if if, if we uh, if, if we if we work hard, you know, together and find the best in each other, we can all get through it. Right, well, look, I want to wish you the best of luck. It sounds like you've got some uh, good time to be able to do the things that you always want to do in your life other than work which many of us are jealous of, who just do nothing but work. But uh, I, I just want to congratulate you for all the success you've had, and I wish you and your family uh, a long and happy time together. Thanks, Jim. Absolutely. Well, look, uh, Domino's is a, a juggernaut, and I think that the way that it closed up today tells me that people think that the labor problems are behind them, and it's gotten very interesting. Again, Rich Allison, CEO of Domino's Pizza, in his last interview on Mad Money, Mad Money's back in Coming up, it's another chapter in one of the all-time best Silicon Valley success stories. Mark Benioff checks in off earnings. Stick around for Salesforce next. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This is earnings week for many of the big cloud-based software stocks, but can beautiful numbers actually triumph over this hideous market? Well, the group's been out of favor for months now, right? I mean, but it does look like it can rally on good news. Witness Workday jumping nearly 5%. We had them on last night. Tonight, we got another encouraging report, this time from the giant, Salesforce.com, king of the cloud, with a stock that's down more than 30% from its November highs this one we own for the Travel Trust. Unlike so many other players in this industry, Salesforce is actually profitable. Business is in great shape. Company just reported a clean top and bottom line beat, although their guidance for both the quarter, uh, current quarter and full year was more mixed. Strong revenue projections, slightly weak expected earnings projections. I think the stock is, is roaring because how much operating cash flow they have. So could this be the beginning of a big run if we ever get a good market again? Let's dig deeper with Mark Benioff, the co-founder, chair, and co-CEO of Salesforce.com. Find out more about the quarter where the company's headed. Mr. Benioff, welcome back to Mad Money. Jim, it's great to be with you. Hi from San Francisco, California. It does seem like you are back in the Ohana room of headquarters. We're we're back to business. And is everybody back or is it just you? 
Well, we're really opening our offices up and bringing everybody back, but we have a flexible work environment, Jim. You know, this the pandemic has changed everything. You know that. So employees can choose. They want to come back. They're welcome to come back. And if they want to, they want to stay at home, that's all right with us, too. Fair enough. Let's get to the quarter. Uh, I like to go to the lines that just blow me away because this was an amazing quarter, the best I've seen in multiple years. And that is uh, I look at the remaining performance obligations, which to me means cash. And I, I was looking for forty two point three billion and it came at forty three point seven billion. So you basically beat the numbers by one point four billion dollars. Well, Jim, you can see this was an extraordinary quarter, maybe the best quarter we've ever had. And you can really see it in not just in the quarterly guidance, but, you know, where we're looking for next fiscal year, who are delivering guidance of thirty two point one billion dollars for our fiscal year twenty three, which we've now started. All right. Now, we're in a negative world right now. And I don't want to go over it because you and I are optimists. But I'm sure some will say, well, wait a second, Jim. I know you're all gaga, but the, the gap operating margins were down 570 bips. I mean, obviously, supply chain problems, Benioff not doing as well, he can't hire, all that nonsense. What do I say about that margin line? Because that's what people talk about, because everyone's such pessimists. Well, we've exceeded all of our expectations that our operating margins are actually at record levels. And you can see that we're forecasting more than 20 percent operating margin. And, Jim, you and I love cash flow, don't we? Yes, we do. And you saw we delivered more than $6 billion in positive cash flow for the year. And this year, we're estimating more than $7 billion, a 20% growth rate as well in the cash flow for the year. I think 22%. All right. So I know you have a number of new clients, but I want to know, did your phone ring uh, on Monday after the Super Bowl with a very interesting commercial that kind of surprised people? Well, that that commercial got way more attention than I ever expected that it would, because it had a very basic message. While we're doing all these amazing things uh, in technology, let's not forget to take care of our planet. And that's an important part of what we do at Salesforce. You know, of course, we've created one T.org, the trillion tree um, uh, program to plant a trillion trees on the planet. That's gone way better than we could have ever expected. In fact, we already have commitments in the United States through American Forest to deliver more than 50 billion trees, which is incredible. And we're seeing great uh, capabilities all over the world in many of the programs that we started. So we're, we're really part of Team Earth. All right. So are is any of Team Earth or, of course, Salesforce uh, itself directly um, disrupted by some of the things that are going on right now in Europe? Well, I mean, this is a horrible situation, uh, and, and you know that, and I have a very personal uh, connection here. My great-grandfather came from Kiev, and um, that is uh, something that's on my mind every single day, and uh, I hope that we get a peaceful resolution. It's not a part of the world where Salesforce does business in, but we, um, you know, of course, our hearts are uh, uh, with uh, everybody that's uh, going through this nightmare. Just a nightmare. Now, I, I spoke with Jim Farley. I actually speak to Jim Farley quite a bit because he's the CEO of Ford. And I think Ford is one of the most forward looking companies I've ever come across. And he's been telling me over and over again that what Salesforce is doing is making an F-150 into your office, a business office. I want to know how that's going, yeah. whether you're seeing results already. We're going to make every F, uh, F-350 into an F-360, and that's going to be an important part of uh what we're going to do for uh, Jim Farley. But I think that for Jim Farley, and, and, and it's an incredible business what he has, exactly as you said, it's probably one of the most amazing businesses in the world. And now, you know, he's electrifying his vehicles. He has his new e-transit. He has the new 
Ford F-150. And of course, I even own a couple of these uh, Mach-E's, which are amazing cars. And if you haven't driven that yet, uh, you should really go to the, your Ford dealer and try it out. It's really incredible. But I'll tell you that I think for customers and for Ford, well, Ford has a great opportunity to really deliver a 360-degree uh, view on the Ford uh, products. And uh, probably you don't know, I also have a Ford 550, which is a configured as a fire truck because I live in a rural area. And uh, when fire strikes, I have to be ready to go myself. And, uh, you know, they provide services to me on that. And I can augment those services through Salesforce's customer 360 platform. Yeah, they already have the telematics on the vehicle. Then we can extend that and complement that, giving them the ability to engage with their customers in incredible new ways. I think that's very exciting for a company uh, like Ford. You know, Ford is focused on professionals. They have their new yes. Ford Pro, which is their new division. It's very exciting. Kind of playbook like uh, what uh, Craig Manier or Frank, back, Frank did, you know, at Home Depot. Amazing. Yes, very the idea much to have like a B2C that. business, not just a B2C business. And, you know, they're putting, you know, when you look at that Pro, it's for productivity, it's for professionals. They're really putting that Ford Pro, they're putting the Pro in you. And that is a very exciting to partner with them on such a yep. big opportunity like that. And people should read in Trailblazer, there's a very interesting demarcation between before and after home when Home Depot brought in Salesforce. It's a, a seminal moment, and I think it's happening to Ford. I happen to be, I know Patrice LeVay very well. Uh, I've been out to dinner a number of times, and I think Ralph Lauren's He's an amazing steward of the brand. But he's also one of the most forward-looking people I've ever talked to. He goes, he has Metaverse. And he is the one who has adopted going to the mall and doing a 360 review of how you look. I did not know that Salesforce was part of that until tonight. Well, that is a very critical new customer touchpoint. Look, we know the customer touchpoints are so critical. The retail store, the website, the app on your phone, the car even, you know, with Ford. But look, the metaverse is a, is a customer touchpoint. And with whether it's NFTs or whether it is going to be um, inside these virtual worlds, you want to connect with your customer in a consistent way. So you're going to want to have that customer 360 profile. We call it customer truth, you know, the single source right. of truth. And that's what our customers have built. You look at these customers we had, you know, phenomenal quarter, great customers, everybody from Ford to Ralph Lauren, to next gen, you know, COVID companies, Lucera, a lot of things in the quarter. But this idea that they're all building a customer 360 based on a single source of truth, this is the powerful idea. And you'd have to be able to connect to that single source of truth through the metaverse. Oh, it works. Now, one last thing. Everyone says, Jim, bad, worried about MuleSoft. Jim, worried about Tableau. Jim, worried about Slack. I'm looking at the fiscal 22 disaggregation of revenue. I don't think I should worry about any of these. All these silos look like they are now making money together and that that's an imp unprofessional way to look at your company. Well, Jim, number one, there's no finish line when it comes to acquisitions. So I think for these analysts who tell us, hey, keep your eye on these incredible acquisitions, like you said, amazing companies like Tableau, the analytics company, MuleSoft, the integration company, and Slack, the collaboration company. Yes, we have to keep our eye on them. But wow, we've integrated them together so that you can have that single source of truth. And that is the power and that is the magic that when we come in to one of our big customers, whether it could be Citibank or whether it could be, you know, some incredible automobile company, not just Ford, maybe like Volkswagen or <laughs> a next generation communications company, could be Verizon, could be AT&T, could be T-Mobile. That idea 
that they have to be able to connect with their customer in a whole new way, the ability to actually know where that customer is, whether they're doing field service with that customer, whether they are on premise with that customer, or whether they're in the digital environment with that customer, the customer expects them to know that they are the most important thing to that customer. Right. We all know, look, every one of these companies, they're all going through digital transformation. Right. Every digital transformation begins and ends with the customer. This is what's driving our growth, and this is what is really uh, going to propel us for the all next right, well, several I, years. I, I, know it's a, go, I know it's a grim moment. We're leaving the $20 billions behind, and the $30 right. billions are now well, ahead of us. It's a grim moment. If it weren't, the stock would be up 20 It's the best quarter I've seen for you, Mark. It is a great moment. It's a major major acceleration. Not the last quarter, but it's a major acceleration. Congratulate to you and your team, to Brett. Thank you, Jim. Mark Benioff is the Salesforce co-founder, chair, and co-CEO. A remarkable quarter. And not, can we just break this? I'm busting the gloom for a few seconds and say this is a great quarter. Thank you, sir. It was a great quarter. Thank you. May have money's back after the break. Coming up, if energy is a geopolitical animal, then right now that sector must be a zoo. Kramer checks in on a stock that's cooking with gas. Next. About a month ago, I ran a piece highlighting Coterra Energy, the oil and gas company formed Last year, by the merger of Capital Oil and Gas, one of our favorites, was Simrex Energy, another that we liked. I told you the stock was worth buying because I believe in management and I love their variable dividend strategy, where they give you an additional chunk of their free cash flow every quarter. Since then, the stock hasn't done that much, but I think the market's underestimating it. Last week, Kotara reported its first full quarter as a combined company, and while the production revenue numbers came in better than expected, they also had a major escalation in production costs that dinged the earnings, plus the guidance some people didn't like. I'll tell you, I felt we should just go buy it for the charitable trust. I liked it that much. In response, stocks did tumble 4% last Thursday. But since then, it's made up all the losses and then some. Why? Because Qatar just announced its latest variable dividend. And if they can maintain this payout, it works out to almost a 10% yield. On top of that, they also announced a $1.25 billion buyback. That makes the stock the steal to me, especially with skyrocketing oil and gas prices. I like this. Don't take it from me. Let's check in with Tom Jordan. He is the president and CEO of the new Qatar Energy to learn more about the quarter and what comes next. Mr. Jordan, welcome back to Made Money. Afternoon, Jim. Thanks for having us on. Well, Tom, I got to tell you, this combination is just incredible. And I think in this environment, with both natural gas and oil strong, your decision to do what you're doing and return money to shareholders is bold and will work for years. But I also know you're a person who likes growth. So how do you balance the two? Well, Jim, thank you for that uh, lead in, because for years is why we like Coterra. It's a nice balance of oil and gas revenue, and as such, we think it's more sustainable through the cycles. We don't think it's a choice of return versus growth. Uh, obviously, our sector has moderated growth, and I think that's what we can look for coming forward. But we have tremendous power in our assets, and uh, we'll be able to really respond to any challenge that gets thrown at us. Now, your Permian acreage is, is spectacular. Uh, at these oil prices, which are very, very high, what do you think you can really do? How much can you make what, per barrel? Well, margins are quite high, as we reported in our release. But as we also said, we, we are only investing 
uh, less than 35% of our capital program, of our cash flow in our capital program. So, you know, you can kind of do the math in your head there that the power of our, of our assets, the power of our portfolio is really uh, unprecedented in my experience. Now, your authorization of your buyback tells me that you generally think that your stock is cheaper than uh, other people's oil. Uh, I don't know how else and gas. I, I know no other way to read that since just in, too inexpensive, got to buy. Well, Jim, we believe in our story. We believe in the future. We believe in the power of our ability to sustain it. And we look at intrinsic and relative value. And, uh, you know, it was not a very difficult decision. We have the cash. We have the wherewithal. And in addition to returning that ordinary and variable dividend, as you pointed out, it's a great yield. We have the wherewithal to buy some of our shares in. That's what we're going to do. Now, Tom, I've been watching the news like you have. Everybody wants oil, oil, oil. And yet I'm thinking out three, four, five years when all these different LNG terminals are going to be made. What you want is Marcellus natural gas. Are you thinking out like that? Because I've got to tell you, you're a forward thinker and it wouldn't. But I, I would think that 28, 2028, 2029 is not that long for you. No, it's not, Jim. And look, natural gas is an amazing resource for the United States both domestic and internationally, particularly with what's been in the news this week, the ability of the U.S. producer to supply the world LNG market is second to none. We do, however, need some cooperation out of policymakers. We need to build some pipelines. We need to fast track some terminals. And we need to get after uh, the U.S. producer and Proterra in particular has the opportunity to really respond to the challenges of the next decade and not only provide low-cost natural gas to the United States, but further bolster U.S. geopolitical security. Well, let, let's, talk, let's talk about that uh, political security. I mean, right now, we I think there's a belief that uh, without Russian oil or take Russia offline, it's pretty much uh, the end of the industrial economy right now. We just can't handle it. I look at our country and think that because of our wonderful assets and our terrific oil people like you, we're not nearly in as much trouble as other countries. Am I being too positive? Well, I don't know how you pay attention to the last decade and not come to that conclusion. The, the U.S. has proved to be resilient. U.S. producers proven to be innovative and will continue to be so. Now, now there are some farm jams in the system right now. Certainly, uh, frac sand is a problem. Trucking is a problem. But, you know, problem solvers are who we are, and we work around it. And uh, with, with a good operating environment, I don't think there's a problem the U.S. producer can't face. Well, you mentioned the policy people. Uh, the president says he's been talking to uh, different oil people. Well, you know what? I talk to different oil people, and I haven't found anybody who's talked to them. And I talked to the big ones. And, uh, but I want to include you. Has the president called you or called Kotara, asked for advice about natural gas, maybe something in the uh, State of the Union involving uh, resources? Or are you just another person that has not gotten the call? Well, I am one of an illustrious group there, Jim. Uh, no, the president has not called me, but if he's watching, I'll be happy to talk to him at uh, his convenience. And what would you advise him for this, say, if he were actually listening to the, to, for what he should be saying in the State of the Union about oil and gas in this country? Well, we have tremendous capacity in this country. And, you know, obviously we have climate challenges and we're not immune to that. Our industry has responded remarkably well to that. And Coterra is a leader in that. Uh, we've lowered our emissions. We've reduced flaring from 
2 percent a few years ago to under half a percent last year. Uh, we're ready to deliver a transition fuel for uh, a growing economy. And, and I think the experience of the last few months is that a lot of policymakers and, and the public are waking up to the fact that our products are going to be required for a long, long time, and we're ready to deliver them. Well, I'm glad you said that. I think that we underrate what you're doing, what everybody's doing uh, to help our oil and gas independence. I want to thank you so much, Tom Jordan. He's the president and CEO of Kotara Energy. What a great stock. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Jeff. What can I say? You've got to be more bullish about some aspects of what's going on right now, including a stock like Kotara, which I want so badly to own for our travel trust, except for we already own a lot of oil. They have money's back in. Just chill out. Is this Chill Master Jay? The chill man is in the house. He's happy. The lightning round is coming up when Mad Money returns. It is time for the lightning round. What's over? And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski daddy. Time for the lightning round. Let's start with Annette in Pennsylvania. Annette. Hi, Jim. Booyah. Booyah. Hey, I am calling about a stock that I bought for the end of October. By the way, I'm a, I'm a new investment club member, and I'm learning Excellent. a lot. Be at our meeting that. Friday, our nice club meeting. Go ahead. Yep. Um, so this stock I bought for the end of October, thought it was a great time to enter because it was on its way down. But since then, I've lost 50% of my position. Um, I wanted to know whether I should hold my nose and buy some more or not. The stock that I'm calling about is RCII, Rent Center. Well, you know, i got to tell you, it's a terrible quarter. Uh, it's just a terrible quarter. It's $27. I would still sell it. I wish I could be more positive, but it was a very bad quarter. Let's go to Vernon in Texas, please. Vernon. Hey, Jim. How you doing? I am good. How are you? Hey, good, good. Yeah, so I got into NEO early uh, March 2020, and uh, this was considered a hot stock in 2020, rose to 66 with a 300 price, uh, price target. Right. And I think with Biden administration, the EV industry is getting hit pretty bad. So with these uh, SEC regulations for Chinese companies and, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. NEO... ADR, where do you see this in the near future? I'm not recommending any Chinese stocks. I think the market situation is too perilous and difficult to do so. Jerry in Florida. Jerry. Yeah, hi. Booyah. Booyah. Hi, I wanted to ask your opinion on B. Riley. Okay, this is a very very inexpensive uh, banking company. I know them. uh, I did do some work with them, and I have to tell you, it's like every other broker. It's just down huge. And you can pick your broker. They're all down huge, and no one seems to want them. Let's go to Near in Pennsylvania. Near. Hey, Jimmy. What's going on? How you doing? Ah, you know, trying to fathom this Ukraine thing. But what's going on with you? Uh, I actually met you years, years, years ago in Philadelphia in the restaurant. Or Rouge back in the days. I don't know if you remember but uh, anyway, okay. I have a question regarding uh, Alto ingredients. I don't know if you paid attention. The company actually increased the gross profit guidance by 50% to over $60 million. They actually, I, uh, I, I do not know that company. Alcohol. I do not know them. Uh, they're very interesting, obviously, after what we just saw with REGI. I got to look at everything. It's anything that's done. 
uh, using any sort of bio. Let's go to Mike in Texas. Mike. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. My stock is STEM, S-E-E-M. I wanted to know, what did you think about the quarter? Is it a buy here, especially with all the attention on energy lately? Uh, you know, these there was a period during which a lot of these SPACs just had such great momentum. And then that period ended. This is a very good company. A lot of people feel that it was just turns out to be a, in a commodity business to be able to help make, uh, be able to balance out the grid. I think it's better than that, but I totally understand no one wants a SPAC. Let's go to Troy in Washington, please. Troy. Hey, Jim. Booyah. Booyah. Hey, I have a question about Origin Materials. Uh, last week, Origin announced that they had received $400 million from the state of Louisiana to to build their second plant, which is set to break ground in 2023 and $100 million in Just wanted to hear your thought on that. Thanks, Jim. Well, I mean, this is speculative stock. It, now, I mean, a lot of people feel like, well, if renewable energy, how can you not own this stock? But I've got to tell you, remember, renewable energy was profitable and doing a lot of great things. That is not the case with this particular stock. Let's go to Tom in Ohio, please. Tom. Tom? Yes. You're up, Tom. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Uh, uh, this is Tom calling from Suffield, Ohio. Excellent. I love your show, and thank you for the entertainment and education you uh, provide. That's what I want to do. Thank you. Uh, I'm calling about Academy Sports and Outdoors, AFO. It's declined signif- significantly from its high in November. Should I keep the stock or sell <laughs> it? It sells it four times earnings. What a horrible market. This is not just a bad market. This is a horrendous market. I'm not going to tell you stock sells at four times earnings. That doesn't make any sense to me. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. the closest quark on the street today, I turn and ask David Faber whether the oil companies are really serious about reducing their carbon footprint. We just listened to Mike Worth. He's the CEO of Chevron. Talk about what his company's doing to become a better corporate citizen. David said he believes they're trying. But in the end, they're an oil company. And if we're going to move away from fossil fuels, it has to be led by the government, which seems reluctant but has the money and the authority to pull it off. Now, I got to tell you, it is easy to be skeptical when the CEO of the most successful oil company in the world talks about decarbonization. But Worth is actually insincerely trying to pivot to cleaner energy, to the point where he bought one of my favorite assets, Renewable Energy Group, run by the fantastic C.J. Warner. You might have seen her on uh, Mad Money last year. With this deal, Chevron becomes a leader in biodiesel and renewable chemical production. Meanwhile, Worth is committed to spending more than $10 billion on reducing Chevron's carbon footprint. You know he means business because there are analysts and portfolio managers in Wall Street who hate him for spending so much money on something that will hurt short-term performance. There's just one problem. In the end, Chevron's an oil and gas company in an oil and gas world. As long as internal combustion engines rule the road, as long as nuclear power is off the table, it really doesn't matter if the fossil fuel industry is willing to decarbonize because we need Chevron to be Chevron right now. Otherwise, the whole country just shuts down, especially with the Russian situation. Sending crude back above $100 a barrel and probably goes higher. Now, Chevron stock is at an all-time high as it should be. And the company's returning a ton of capital through its monster dividend and big buyback authorization that it effectively doubled this morning. I mean, that's all from the oil and gas business. Of course, this, this industry remains a political minefield. Natural resource companies are always hostage to the governments that rule over their acreage. 
While Chevron doesn't have any big tie-ups with large Russian producers like the one that hobbled BP, they do have a major pipeline that takes oil from its gigantic fields in Kazakhstan, along with a million barrel per day pipe, and that runs through Russia. What happens if Russia shuts that down to retaliate against our government's sanctions? At the same time, Washington has a confused approach to oil, to say the least. President Biden's trying to lower oil prices and says he's taking, talking to major producers. But you know what? I talked to them, too. I haven't heard anybody who spoke to him. He seems content to hector Saudi Arabia to pump more while, while being reluctant to do the same domestically. I think that's a mistake. This is something we'll be discussing with Rick Moncrief. He's the CEO of Devon Energy when he joins our investing club meeting on Friday at 1230. You do not want to miss that meeting. I know the Democrats don't like drilling because it's bad for the environment. But how else can the White House push oil prices back down for more than just a few days? The whole policy seems ridiculous to me because American producers have tons of spare capacity, and yet they're choosing to return lots of capital to shareholders. In the end, it might be too hard to walk this tightrope until we fully embrace electric vehicles, uh, something that's still many, many years away. Again, I'm glad the major oils like Chevron or Kotar, uh, they're doing great things. Chevron's going all in on carbon capture. I'm glad they're buying carbon credits to offset the greenhouse gas emissions. But when push comes to shove, there is no political will in this country for decarbonization. The moment the price of oil spikes, our leaders stop worrying about the environment, and no amount of good behavior from the fossil fuel complex can change that. In the end, behavior itself has to change, and other fuels have to come to the fore. If they do, it will be the likes of Chevron that are leading the charge. I'd like to say that there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you to find it just for you right here on Mid Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.